You're listening to the Avoid the Trap Podcast, a show dedicated to helping bettors exploit the betting markets using unconventional strategies and tactics. Turn up the volume and listen closely. The show starts now. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Avoid the Trap. I'm your host, Micah Smith. We have professional sports bettors, Antonino DeRosa and David Miller, and a very special guest, I would say more of a professional gambler, an all-around gambler, Randy McKay. How you doing, Randy? I'm doing well. Uh, not in Colorado today. I uh, decided to take a few days and head to uh, Vegas here. And uh, I was able to get here in October to get my offers. And then, uh, of course, November starts now, so I can do a double pickup. So it was a timely kind of deal. And uh, got to see some friends and friends uh, yesterday for Halloween and had a pretty good time. Nice. nice. Well, I know Randy, from my experience with him, he is more of an all-around professional advantage player. I can legitimately be walking into a casino, send him a picture of a slot machine. He'll say, hit this button, hit this. If it says this, it has an edge, a positive BB play. So can you give us a little backstory on how you got into gambling and then to an advantage play as a younger uh, younger yourself? Yeah, well, I, you know, I was... Growing up, I was uh, watched the movie Kenny Rogers, a gambler, and kind of got me going into the poker world a little bit and uh, learned how to buy my first book, kind of the book of Hoyle, and learned some strategies and that kind of thing, and learned how to play poker when I was 16 and uh, paid for a lot of my college. When I turned 21, the bigger games around there, I paid for a lot of my college that way playing poker. There was a strip club owner that was the big donor to the game. And a lot of times he would lose like about $5,000, which was a lot of money back in the early nineties, early nineties. I actually started in 1990. So uh, that was pretty good for me. I had a teaching degree. I moved out to uh, Bullhead city, Arizona with a buddy of mine. Cause I couldn't get a job teaching at that time. So I was substitute teaching. And at that time I, I kind of got bored with that. And uh, decided to get a craps dealing job over across the river in Laughlin, Nevada. And then uh, I realized that there's some opportunity there uh, next door to the casino. I was working at the Gold Nugget at the time, had double time jackpots. And I was like, boy, what is this all about? And I see these guys playing them during this three minute song that they had. And anytime you hit a jackpot from 60 to 300, and that was the old days when the coins dropped out of the machines they would bring you over double. So if you hit a six, and the main thing was the lowest payout on that game was POT. It was called the pot machines. You would hit for 60 and it would drop out the coins. And then somebody would come over and give you 60 coins more. And you had a pretty good advantage there. I think it was, you know, seven, 8% at the time. You know, I didn't have a totally calculated out, but you did that for a while. And then you got a tap on the shoulder and, and the manager would come over and say, no more double time slots for you. So uh, that was like my first one. And then my first video poker, shortly after I started working there, they put in this game called Flush Attack, which uh, Dave probably remembers a little bit because he came a little later after that. And instead of getting 25 for a flush, if you hit the flush during the flush attack mode, you got 125 coins. So during that time, that game was worth 140% payback at that time when the when the flush meter was on and i used to play those after work and 
realized, man, there might be a little future in this. And finally, in 1997, I decided not to work anymore and went off to adventure this and came back to Vegas at that time with about a 20K bankroll and built it up from there. Yeah, well. Well, my, real quick, my morning routine is I turn on VSIM in the morning, and the very first thing I hear is Paulie saying, Randy McKay hits 20 dimes on the Ultimate X machine at Circa. So that was this morning or or, or yesterday? Yeah, I, it wasn't on an Ultimate X. I hit 20K on a uh, just a regular bonus poker video poker machine. And like I tell people, you know, even though I don't work for casinos anymore, these free play uh, checks they send you or free play in the mail is just like getting a casino check from a casino. You did, But you got to go pick it up, take your shot with it. And once in a while, you crack a 20K Royal, which uh, started off the trip quite well. That was a free play. That was basically on the free play when I hit that one. Yeah, I held three of the Royal and got the other two. And I wasn't in much uh, out of my pocket at that time. So uh, that was a good start to the trip. Yeah. <laughs> That's an amazing story. I mean, the whole slot machine advantage player thing always fascinates me. Not that I ever tried it, but it's amazing how people are able to beat these machines made by computers. Like, I wonder how long, I mean, is it, because I know that people still do this stuff. I watched Micah walk through the whole area floor looking for advantage slots. And it was amazing to me that in today's world, in 2022 or 23, that this stuff still exists. So a lot of that is uh, built-in progresses on these machines. Like people leave the bonuses up high. You know, the casinos want to attract tension to, to get people to play these machines. But a lot of these manufacturers will put in these type machines that will make these bonuses. And eventually they'll be over 100% because, you know, the regular player doesn't know any better. And then that game's uh, over 100% edge at a certain time. And that's what, that's where we come in to figure that out. Right. But when they put like markers to tell you that the machine is plus EV, like, is that something that they want you to know? Or is that just like a hidden thing that you guys figure out how, when and how? Yeah, they don't. Well, the casino itself just puts in the machine. They're going to win money on that machine regardless who plays it, like a, a certain these certain slot machines. So uh, overall, they're going to get their percentage hold, but it's our job to figure out when that marker is. It's usually on the low end, like there's a mini, a, a major, and a uh, and grand jackpot, let's say. Usually the mini gets high enough where then it's over 100% payback. And that that's usually how it works. It's usually always on a like a progressive game where you're getting 20 or more free spins on the mini is usually a good sign that uh, you get 100% payback there. Cool. Yeah, if I was a casino owner, of course, I want people to win. So it attracts people. You know, they see people see people win and more people will play. But I would want the dude that's going to relose all the money to the casino to windows not randy you know yeah yeah i understand your point there but you know you're trying to put in an attractive game for uh you know both player and sophisticated gambler and uh hopefully it works out where it isn't but there's getting to be more of the got more of these guys that uh check these games especially here in nevada it's tough to find these types so uh yeah i understand your point i, I got a story real can i tell a story about our mutual friend me and him have a mutual friend that yeah. basically one day our mutual friend, I'll just call him Mr. X, 
and his risk tolerance is through the roof. This guy could lose a hundred grand and like laugh and doesn't he doesn't care. Anyway, he was at at a machine one day and one of the slot techs came over. He opened the one next to him and he said that the guy had a like a little book on him and he just asked him, Oh, what is that? And he and he goes, Oh, it just shows the paybacks of all the slot machines. So my friend literally asked the guy, could I take a photo or a copy or something? And so that's how he got a lot of his information. And then basically it showed the payback on every single slot at reset. And then with his math skills, he was like, okay, it's over a hundred percent. This meter is that, and this meter is that. And so he, he literally had the blueprints of all the slot. And, and these slot machines were all over the place. He literally knew the exact payback at reset on every slot machine and then and just would tweak it like, okay, the minor hits one out of every he would calculate with all of the jackpots together because there's different jackpots. He knew when each one was a play or not. It was the most amazing story. And he made a fortune. He made millions of dollars really quick. That's our mutual. friend. That's awesome. That, yeah, we have a good mutual friend that we respect. And it would be amazing to know if any of the people that work for these slot machine companies, they go and grind uh, slots, uh, you know, on their days off. Right. Because they have the info. What do you think, Randy? Yeah. There's probably a few that do, but most of them are just, you know, happy enough working, getting that paycheck. And, uh, you know, over the years, I've we've known some slot techs that will give us information. We'll, we'll tip them pretty good for that, of course. And uh, especially if he'll tell us like, you know, they'll put in like a full pay deuces or a full pay joker, which full pay joker is 101% game or full pay deuces a 100.8 just for that game. Not with all the other stuff you get with it. So uh, that's very nice information and uh, done pretty well on that. But most of them are just content, uh, earning their paycheck and they're happy enough with that. So, uh, yeah, it's nice. That- Do, would you play a uh, no edge game and uh no minus CV game just for the comps and things of that nature? Well, that's pretty much what it, this is a little bit of a plus EV play for me here. You know, even on this day here at the uh, golden gate with Derek's company, this is uh, just a small, I'm just playing for the rooms and the food pretty much. And the, the other stuff I get, of course, I get to go to hockey games, but yeah, that's that's kind of the way. But if you need a room, I mean, why pay the uh, whatever they charge for it? Why not try to earn it and uh, get it that way? Is a better way. And uh, you know, long time ago, I met Jean Scott, Queen of Comps, and she did that for many years. And I've kind of followed that same thing when I need a room. That you know, even when times were tough, when there is wasn't as many things as there is now, I had to do that. So I, I still do it. Yeah, I usually get my stuff comp too, but I pay for it at the tables. So, <laughs> you know, usually it's I'm always like, man, this was a $1,500 coffee this morning. You know, things of that nature. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a lot of big swings. And I, you know, we've played some table game stuff throughout the year too, where you get, you know, you get those big ratings and then you get a lot of extra stuff through that. So I've done Yeah, my favorite, my favorite game is Ultima Texas Hold'em. Do you ever play that? I actually, uh, yeah, years ago I played it. I, I had to play it for Cantor Gaming. They were doing uh, drawings during a Sunday, and that they quit letting you play the blackjack. Uh, they had a good blackjack option for that, so I had to play Ultimate Texas Hold'em, and uh, I played that for the. Uh, it was in uh, a lot of people didn't know that it, Cantor Gaming was not just a sports book. They used to have these simulation desks 
where you could sign up for their e-deck gaming. They'd either give you an iPad where you could do it throughout the casino or do it right there. And they had a bonus and they're giving away a car at the end of the year. And of course they, uh, kind of screwed me out of that car. I had most of the tickets and didn't get drawn and I found out why, but yeah, that was a good deal. But that was the last time I played uh, Ultimate Texas Hold'em. I believe that that game is obviously big minus EV play, but if you sit at the table with a bunch of your friends and you show each other your cards, I think that between that and between uh, the dealer always messing up the payout, so whenever she makes a mistake in your favor, you say nothing. Whenever she makes a mistake on their favor, you say something. I think it could probably be neutral EV or maybe tiny bit of EV. Yeah, dealer mistakes always come through as a, a pretty good deal. You know, we used to play uh, not the don't pass. We used to play the don't come and craps. And many times when 11 would roll on the don't come, you're supposed to lose. And many times, even on the Vegas Strip where they're supposed to be the best Craps dealer, and I'm I'm a former craps dealer, by the way. <laughs> and many times they wouldn't take my bet on a loser when eleven rolled, and <laughs> that actually uh, helped us quite a bit. So you're right, yeah. Always look for the uh, dealer errors there, and there's actually quite a bit of them because the talent isn't that good, and they need them games open. Yeah, more complicated games you choose, more likely the dealers to make a mistake. Obviously, yeah. it was uh, one day where. We were playing at the win, and there was this one dealer that kept making mistakes. And you know how they change tables? They go to the next table next to it. We would just, like, move with the dealer. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> well, that was my next question was, how does one go about if there's a brand-new machine that's brought into the casino? You just Is it kind of trial and error? Play the men, figure out, you know, how the bonus structure works, et cetera? Yeah, it's all experimentation. You know, I'll play like the, you know, the lowest bet, the 50 cent bet, let's say. I'll experiment a little bit with that, see if there's anything to it. When they put in these new games, it's always, you know, it's not going to cost you much to do that. It costs you a little bit of time, but uh, you might find something good. And uh, that's worked for me, you know, but a lot of these new games, you know, where I'm at now in Colorado, don't come out there first. They, come to other areas. And then, you know, I'm in some chats with some, it's good to network too. And I, I network with people that have seen these new style games and uh, let me know how it, how it kind of works before I even see them. Nice. All right, let's get into a little bit of kind uh, sports betting. Uh, so uh, Sunday night, about midnight, we're all waking up to David crying because Ant's in second above him in the contest. So he's uh -oh. all worked up and just, I don't know, going on Instagram, just this wild work. I, 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 can't, I cannot Dave, lose to Dave goes, I have two entries and you only have one and you're still beating me. <laughs> tell Peter, do me a favor, tell Peter he, we're coming for him. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell Peter Gibbons or you guys are coming for him. David said you went out of line. On, yeah, you went out on your opinion on one play. What play was that? I don't know what, which one he was referring to. I think he's talking about the Patriots, right? Well, you just passed on that one. No, you passed yeah. on, like, when you were, yeah, yeah. I passed on uh, Patriots, but to be honest, we put in our entries with, like, an hour to go, and then I went to the park with my kids, and we didn't reload. <laughs> but it steamed at the end, right? <laughs> yeah, Circo 7. Yeah, you're, what a hero. that was a hero call, you know, nine and a half no. to seven. Yeah, I think the guy I play with the last half an hour, he's in crunch time because he's a professional DFS player. 
So, you know, he's right. uh, fixing up his lineup. So he's not paying attention. It's usually my job to pay attention at the last half an hour. But instead, I was like, I'm just going to go to the park and kick the ball around with my kids. And uh, yeah, I guess I got lucky. Nice. Good deal. I always get messages on Sunday as well as David aggravated at Randy because Randy goes out on a tangent on his own opinion. It's off market or something. And I kind of, me personally, kind of agree with Randy's that contest strategy because you got to set yourself apart from somebody that's always playing the same rules. I can't remember what game was it the Ravens this week. Or I can't remember what game it was that landed on four and the market was two, three and a half. I don't know if you remember Randy or not. But what, do you, what do you think about contest? Go ahead. He doesn't want to remember. Trust me. <laughs> that was a terrible game for us. Yeah, the Cleveland <laughs> Brown one or the uh, Jets one. The Cleveland Browns yeah. was, a, was one of the worst ones with me. Is uh, that? Uh, of course, I got. I had bets too on it, so at least I got pushes there. But yeah, that one hurt. I had a couple uh, three and a halfs. I took usually. I don't. You know, numbers wise, you know, you're always looking at the three and sevens. You know, the three and a half, four and a half, five ones. You know, you kind of. Dave values that a little bit more than I do, and uh, that's what starts <laughs> the arguments. But we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I, I get a little opinion in the NFL, but that's what I study. I mean, that's my main. You know, I don't do college football. I'm more of a marketing guy. Look at the market more than anything, or look at totals and that kind of thing. So, uh, pro, I, of course, I get a little bit more opinionated over the years, and that's worked for me. Yeah, no, you do good. He does good, but no, what, what I'm saying, I'm not saying don't put an, a, or pass. I'm not saying don't pass on ones that you're perceived supposed to take. I'm just saying you can't take like awful prices. That's all I'm saying. Like Ant passing on that one and making the hero call, us passing on the Jets, not making the hero call. Getting unlucky, though. I'll throw that out. <laughs> I don't know how much you got the Giants at minus eight. Seen throughout the game. <laughs> Fuck. The Jets were favorite at like one point during the game. The last play. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, I mean it's you're flipping coins on a lot of those games. At well, the end anyway. well, there there's a lot of places. A lot like last talking about last week. You know, you could have taken Philadelphia or Baltimore, Cincinnati. Like they were all similar value compared to the market. Right. And I feel in those spots, I'm really flipping a coin. But if I have an opinion like Randy, I would use it. Right, you know? right, right, right. So, right, so right. I think having an opinion is somewhat good. You're right. Usually always the toughest thing. Oh, toughest thing with these uh, contests is finding, you know, you can find three really good ones or two every week. Finding those other two, that's where the cream rises to the top and wins these. And yep. then get you know, you need to get lucky with those other two as well. So uh, that's what usually it comes down to, you know, finding NF- five NFL sides every week, especially during the bye weeks, is is never easy. Right. When are you like we're trying to figure out when to use our, our bye week. So I hope we get to use it before the buys are over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we thought we were gonna wait till uh the sixth bye week, but then David pointed out like in week two or three that this week <laughs> this week isn't a good week to this yeah. a good week to put in our entry. So we're gonna use the bye week here and I, I just went with this read. Yeah, that was good because we went one and four that week. It was really hard. And then you've you've caught up making all these hero calls and putting and passing on what yeah, you've you've done well. Tell <laughs> Peter though, tell Peter don't get too comfortable. 
<laughs> don't worry. He's not getting comfortable. Don't worry. He doesn't even <laughs> he probably doesn't even care. What what does he have going on? Like five million in volume every Sunday or something? I don't know. My assumption is three, four hundred thousand. But right. I really don't know. Nice. So yeah, he's one of the top DFS players on the DraftKings site. But DraftKings, I don't know if you guys know, they limit people that have a lot of volume to bigger events. So like once you reach, for instance, $1 million in DFS volume, you're not allowed to play two and $5 things anymore. Once you reach $10 million in volume, you're not allowed to play the $10 things anymore. So basically all the best DFS players are forced to play all the high stakes stuff against each other instead of uh, picking off, you know, the bad people like us playing fun. Well, they just use other people's names, right? I mean, or, or it quickly happens where it's like even one weekend of volume. They that sounds weird. I, I don't know why they're doing it? But it as far weird. as as far as I know, that Peter does not do that because it's really risky. Because if you actually win a huge event or you have a really good week, and they somehow found out that you played under somebody else's name, they can just keep your money. It's like in right. the rules of terms and conditions. So I think that the best DFS players don't actually do that type of stuff, but maybe they do. I'm not sure. Right. Okay. That makes sense. You probably have to deal with taxes too. Cause I know on the DFF side, if you win a big contest, you're getting a, a 1099 right off the bat probably. I don't know. Yeah. Do, is that what happens? I'm sure in DFS. Yeah. Contest, yeah. In DFS, if you win more than $1,000 in a year, you get a 1099. So well, it's whole- even hard because of that. For the whole amount, you get a 1099 that you're over a thousand. Yeah, as soon as you win more than a thousand dollars, you get a 1099. Mm-hmm. I see. Ouch. That would be tough. Yeah, that would be tough. So, Randy, you used are you betting any? Because I don't know if this is that time of year. College hockey. You used to give out a lot of those. I usually don't bet college hockey till the playoffs and that kind of starts. But yeah, it's tough. It's a tough market to get anything down now because uh, very few books that put up college hockey. William Hill uh, in Nevada used to, and I haven't seen any lines yet up, you know, just started, you know, this is like the third or fourth week. So, but yeah, usually I just hit the tournaments and do pretty well on that. And same with NHL too. I, you know, I used to bet a lot of NHL during the regular season. You could track the goalies and do pretty well, but it's a lot different market now. And, you know, with, me getting more focused on football and other things. I pretty much just wait till the playoffs. And I had a pretty good NHL uh, playoffs last year. So that was fun. Nice. You said something earlier about offers and I'm generally curious. I get these things in the mail, these booklets in the mail, four nights free, 600 and free play, a thousand and free play. Is that what you're referring to when you say pick up your offers? Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, the bigger the offer, the better, you know, and that's that sounds like you got a pretty good offer there. Definitely go, you know, when you can do it, good. definitely go do that. That's just like a paycheck. If you're playing something, you know, close to even and uh, above, that's that's where you make your money. I mean, like uh, Ant was saying, do you ever play anything negative EV? I will if I get a big, huge mailer like that, which turns into a positive play. So if you get that mailer, you're not going to the pinball machine, the top dollar machine to put that free play in, which is what I would do when I walked in there because I, I don't know. I don't know any better. So how do you know what or what's close to EV, what's close to 
Well, usually most of the time when I pick up my free play, it's on a video poker machine, which is, you know, the closer games to 100% where the slot machine, unless it's a very high progressive, I would maybe take a shot with my free play with that. But usually it's always on a on a video poker machine. Got it. David, you said that you had a question for Ant. Is that right? I'll cut the question down now after a lot of the things we've just said. But I'll say this. Do you think... Let's say you make a bet. I'm just going to say a DraftKings, right? We'll pick DraftKings. If you were to make a massive, like, minus 300 money line bet, let's say for, like, 20, 30,000, well, 40, 50,000, do you think they instantly, after one bet, mark you as a weak better or not at all? Not at all. Not at all? Yeah. I think you're more likely to get like a profiled right away if your first bet is on a big plus. Oh, that's okay. Well, I didn't know it was like that. Okay. I don't think I don't think it's happening either way on just one wager, but it is really weird if I'm a new customer, I make an account, I deposit 50,000 and the first thing I bet is a plus 250 or a plus 300. Yeah. That does send some kind of to be random, you're just a random square, but Squares usually bet the money, you know, the thing that they in their mind for sure has no chance of losing. Like squares tend not to bet big pluses right away. Okay. Makes sense. Usually squares will start betting big pluses when they're they're losing. Then they're like, ooh, I gotta try to get my money back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's the betting pattern of okay. So let me ask you a question. If you're betting just let's say you're just betting a million small market things. And you are throwing in, I mean, I guess they should give dollar amounts. Let's say you're betting a bunch of stuff 500 times like 50, and then you're throwing in NFL or NBA sides for a few thousand. Do you think that helps your cover or not at all? It does help your cover. Okay. Why? Because it's manually looking back at your bets. I don't think it helps you in real time though, right? No, but they have tools. They have tools that can calculate how much expected value your bets had so if you're throwing in some neutral ev bets like the nfl at post or whatever else like that will help mask all the other crap that they were off on and you have big positive edges okay okay because the way the way these tools work it's like okay he's bet ten thousand dollars at uh, neutral ev and then he's bet ten thousand dollars in props have positive EV, like they, they take the volume into account and they calculate the EV like that. So you will show, your account will show that your EV is not that good because of half of your volume is at negative EV or, or you know, EV neutral. And that will carry down your positive EV plays that you made on the smaller market and, stuff. And this is assuming all the majority of those 500s close good at their company. Like, what if you bet a bunch of, like, stale stuff for 500 right at post? Then they would mark you as neutral, EV, because it closed well, at that? Well, here's something that people don't realize. Some companies, they'll use their own closing line to figure out the uh, positive EV or minus EV that that customer has. Uh-huh. But if they're smart, I don't know if they do this, but if they're smart, they're not a marking-making book. They're a book that copies other books. So they, what they should really use to calculate the closing value that a customer is getting, they shouldn't use their own closing lines. They should use the closing lines of one of the market makers. 
So, you know, I would personally, if I was running DraftKings, I would calculate it compared to Pinnacle or Betcris or Circa, whatever. But I'm not sure if they do that, but it's pretty easy to do, but I don't know if they're doing that. But let, let's just be honest, though. You're incredibly biased saying that. And we all think the same thing that you think, but most of these companies, they don't care about that. But I agree. I mean, obviously, you should do that. And you're you're speaking from a an ex-employee or manager or whatever of that company, and you understand the way it all works. I kind of feel like these guys think their lines are pretty accurate and would never do that. <laughs> but what would make them think that? They kick out winners and they copy these sports Still. books. Still, you know right? what I'm still I get it, but still I know what you're saying. But, still, <laughs> but I I still think that that's what they think. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, and I would even go even farther. Like let's say I was in charge of Petrus, I would not use my own closing line for soccer when Pinnacle is trading minus 104 on both sides of major leagues, and I'm trading minus 115 on both sides. You know. Exactly. <laughs> If I want to calculate my tennis closers, I would probably use Betfair. If I want to calculate American sports and I'm the owner of Betcris, I would calculate my own, you know, because their American stuff is real solid. So it just it depends, you know. But I think the offshore companies, if I had to guess, and you know the answer, they probably do do that and exactly the way you said it. But I don't think the U.S.-based ones do at all. I don't think yeah. they do they don't, they don't do that at all. No, I don't think so. But I could be wrong. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you say all that. It, yeah. You're saying it would be good for David to bet when he bets his NBA plays at post, like before game time or a few hours before, to bet those plays in the U.S. sports book as well would help mask the other plus EB, higher EV bets. I think that you should do – like if he has the same price at DraftKings – and uh, offshore, I would probably, and it's a major market, I would bet the DraftKings first. What if it's six cents worse than Pinnacle? You would still probably bet it. No, no. Six uh, cents is a lot. Well, it's, just hard, five cent, it's just going to be hard to ever beat the Pinnacle line, right? That, that, that is true. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's hard to ever beat that line, but if you got things that you're betting at 8, eight to 10% EV, you're maybe slightly a break even on a five cents worse than Pinnacle. Why not? He doesn't, yeah. think he doesn't think five cents worse than Pinnacle, your break even. I'm going to just say the answer. Okay. Before he said. okay. Yeah, right. that's that's my guess, though. If you're betting five but cents even worse. If minus, what if it's 1%? What if it's negative 1% or 2%, but you're getting other things that are 10%? But then you, you should probably bet both places if you're doing that, in my opinion. Well, yeah. Well, that's why we're asking these okay. questions. And we're curious because we don't know if we should do, like, we don't know if we should, like, take some small losses, like in theory to the market, even though we believe in our plays, we don't know if we should do that to kind of mask other stuff we're doing. You should. You should. Uh, that book Ken Miller wrote, I don't know if you guys read it. I didn't read yeah. it. No. But no. yeah, he actually talks about it. He says that if you're attacking these lower end game fruit, you know, markets, it's good to put in some neutral EV or maybe even minus EV just to mask your account. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I have a group of friends who uh, they do a lot of like uh, betting in uh, Tennessee, the state, and they found that they make parlays for like a couple of weeks on an account, and then they start doing what they normally do. Their account will last longer. So I probably wouldn't do that in the podcast personally, but 
<laughs> okay, we we can edit it out if you guys. So let's uh, make I mean, edit he, it out. He's even said we don't we don't care. But if like someone's on to something with that exact angle, okay, yeah, you you you're right. I probably shouldn't have said some of that, but already but saying. uh, yeah, like I mean, it's not something that like it's a secret. A lot of people are doing this. You I know, they last year to do a couple same game parlays. You know, they're all try, trying to promote the same game parlay stuff and just do a few of those. You know, that should uh, should help you as well. You, you know, you brought up the parlay. I figured I'd bring up this. You know, that same game parlay seems like uh, what they're really looking for in their marketing. Yeah. Or like, let's say you bet offshore. If you start playing some blackjack first or some casino games and then you start betting. Your account at first is going to get looked in a different way than somebody that's never played those casino games, you know? Same thing. Yeah, I mean, you're from the inside, and now you're on the outside, and I guess still a little bit on the inside. So what you say is solid. I mean, we're we're listening, and I'm sure the viewers are <laughs> grateful. Yeah, like if you can somehow mask your account to be square by playing casino games, by doing parlays, by doing whatever, then uh, – when they run that report on you, they see, oh, this guy played the casino game. This guy's doing all these parlays. Yeah, he's also betting some other weird stuff, but they're usually, it will give you a longer rope. Yeah, it's good insight. So then you need to kind of pretend you're them looking at your account as you're betting. And what could you do yeah. to prolong your life and, and stay under the radar? Yeah, or like, for instance, like, I don't know, let's say DraftKings says minus two and a half, and the whole world is at three. When you click that wager, let's say you bet a, bet a big amount. Let's say you bet the max, 10K, 20K, whatever it is. I don't know. The first thing the trader will do when they see the wager is look at Dumbest, right? He's going to look at Dumbest and he's going to say, oh, the whole world is at three and I'm at two and a half. This guy's betting me because of that. But in that same scenario, let's say you bet plus two and a half and you make a max wager. And the trader looks up and says, oh, the whole world is at three. This guy's an idiot. He's betting plus two and a half. Your account will be looked at differently as the bets are coming in, right? Yeah, but with, I guess, and it's a mystery. We're never going to know the right answer, I guess. But when you make that plus two and a half when the rest of the world's three, do they all of a sudden flip some switch in your account? And, okay, you can bet anything you want for any amount. We don't care. It's possible some places that will raise your limits if they notice that you do shit like that. Because Randy's been banned. This is a true story. Randy made a $2,000 bet on a widely available college side. It steamed like three minutes later, right? He had good information. He got banned after one bet. So if, yep. so if that's the case, then if and it moved three minutes later, if that's the case, they do pay attention like at each bet coming through in real time. It's not like it's just going there and there. They're looking at each one in real time. So, yep. yeah up a switch the other way for you and like rather than ban you in one bet in one bet they go oh let this guy bet anything yeah raise his limit don't care etc yeah sometimes obviously they do that you know like i don't know how you get bigger limits at DraftKings or FanDuel, but i assume if they see a bunch of plays like this come in they will raise your limits yeah so we need to figure out well not just them we need to figure out like how every company kind of operates and they kind of, I don't think they operate exactly the same, but yeah, any intelligence that we can get <laughs> is always appreciated, right? Yeah. And like, even like when you're betting at a sharp book, right? So let's say I'm a trader uh, at Pinnacle and I have minus three, minus 15 on a game. 
and the whole world is minus three, minus one ten, right? And I think about minus fifteen. Am I likely to move it, or am I likely to put it back at minus fifteen? No, put it back. I put it back, right? Because I'm like, this guy could have bet so many different places in the world at minus ten, and he chose to bet me at minus fifteen. Well, then you can click pinnacle again at minus fifteen, right? Like, yeah. sure. Now the pinnacle trader is making an assumption that you can actually are able to bet all that money somewhere else. Well, we all know that's not the case. I might not have a DraftKings account or I don't live in Nevada or whatever it is. But I could also be hitting the rest of the world after I hit Pinnacle a few times at minus 15, right? So yeah. that type of stuff actually happens all the time. You know, if you want to get a couple of clicks in at Pinnacle at a worse price, when you're about to steam the whole world, then it's good to do that. But how do they handle that? Do, is there a guy there that goes, okay... He just happens to notice that that moved an hour later and he, and he's thinking, oh, wait, earlier I just took. And all of a sudden he's because they'd have to remember those bets coming through with all the bets coming through that you kind of got a fast one on them. They Like, how would they remember that or would they not remember it really? It depends on the trader. Most good ones will remember or and a then, lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. What they'll do is they'll review everything they did throughout the day and then they'll notice. But not every trader is great. So, you know, some traders don't even realize that happened. But you know, it just but depends. If that game steamed like five seconds after that guy triple popped it, then it would be obvious. But yeah, if it's like later, I just, I wouldn't remember it if I was taking thousands of bets all day. Yeah, I think you overestimate how many bets these people are actually taking. But, well, I mean, you know. Tell us, what's the handle at Pinnacle throughout the world on every event on a random Wednesday? So when I used to trade at Pinnacle... And uh, let's say in the day I would do the NBA totals or the baseball totals. The whole day I would get between two and three million dollars in bets. Oh, that's it. That's a uh, only totals. So I mean they don't have American customers, but we assume that these sportsbook are getting more bets than they're actually getting. Okay, well then that kind of changes it, obviously. Now FanDuel, they're probably taking a lot more now, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're good. Yeah, yeah. They're half the I heard they're half the handle from two different people that they're about half the handle in the U.S., just one company. Yeah. When I worked at Pinnacle, somebody who was very connected in Nevada came over to hang out with us, and I showed him my volume, and he goes, you probably get three times more than, like, the whole state of Nevada. I mean, this was seven, eight years ago. I don't know if that's true. So if that is true, these games, we all assume, are getting millions and millions and millions of dollars. They're not. Yeah, I mean, I learned something new today. <laughs> yeah, but, I, yeah, I that. <laughs> Absolutely, I assumed that. And we all think that the sports books make way more money than they actually do. You know, because if I'm doing all of the basketball totals and I get $2 million in bets and my hold is 2.4%, that is if I never move the line, I'm going to hold 2.4%. I'm going to hold a lot less than that because I'm going to have to move the line, right? Because yeah. the opening line is not always the most efficient line. So these sports books are making a lot less money than we all think. Well, that well, in all fairness, though, that is just one. You said, A, they're not taking U.S. people. I don't know what, yeah. what the total amount was when they took U.S. people. And, yeah, B, there's like a million sports. But those other ones, I mean, the handle's way less probably than like a major <laughs> event like that, like NBA or MLB, even if it yeah, is. Yeah, like... Like, imagine of, like, the secondary sports books in America. 
like win bet, bet Fred, points bet, like all these smaller sports books, right? Like how much right. do you think they're getting in bets? Like I'd be surprised if they're hitting in a day all their markets more than a couple of million. I'd be very surprised. I think they're getting way more than that. I don't know, but you kind of shocked me on the pinnacle one. What do you guys think? I think they're getting way more than that. Way more. I mean, not even close to that. What, what do you guys all think? No, WinBet uh, moved out of Colorado. They're only in, what, three states. So they would surprise me that they cut back. And, of course, okay. Fred's had a lot of overreactions this year to a lot of stuff. So, I, I think, too, it just came out. Like, betting is just fresh. But, yeah, he, he might be right. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I never thought the pinnacle numbers would be that. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about on this one. <laughs> Yeah, like I saw the Ohio numbers on Twitter earlier today. Like I think FanDuel in the whole state of Ohio the whole month took half a billion dollars in action and they're the biggest one. Now that is only one state, but that is a whole month and they're the biggest one. So yeah, so it's probably easy to math out thinking about how many states there is and uh, comparing Ohio to other states. But FanDuel has a million things you can bet on. So now how much are people betting on the same game stuff? You know, how much over on one side and under on the other side do you actually have? I'm not sure. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think you can look all up most of these numbers, can't you? So here's just... the uh, betting handle for the states. This came, comes from Ben Fox on Twitter, and this was through October. New York was $1.77 billion. New Jersey was second with $1.3 billion. And then Nevada was $811 million. And then 10th was... Uh, Louisiana at 280 million. Unfortunately, he doesn't have Colorado must not have had their listings, but they're usually in about the sixth or seventh spot. So you can kind of judge it by that, by what uh, what is tweeted out there as far as what these uh, sports yep. books, of course, you know, FanDuel and uh, DraftKings probably has most of that. Jeez, that's a lot. I see. Wow. Okay. And that's the New Jersey one kind of shocks me. What do you think of that number? And I don't know, but they have one billion. How many operators do they have? Jesus. In New Jersey? Yeah. A real small state. <laughs> they, I think they have almost 20 operators, if not more. So I get yeah, I guess FanDuel Draft Kings are most of it, but Yeah, where New York, I think, only has like eight operators because their tax uh thing is so high. A 50%. lot of where uh, New Jersey New Jersey is like one of the top ones and of course. Colorado, they like because uh, the tax uh, hold isn't so bad there as well. Yeah, New Jersey also has a lot of operators because they have the hardest laws to get a license. So a lot of sports books try to get the New Jersey license first, and then it's easier to get the rest of the states. Yeah, you were saying that, and you were saying that in one of the other podcasts. I didn't know yeah. that. So now they have 20 operators. They got $1 billion in volume, whatever you slice up the pie. And then there's 30 days. See, there's a lot less money than you think. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, you got me. I mean, I, I just, yeah. Okay. Did you watch the, uh, I know Randy may have, uh, I don't know about these other two, they probably did, the college football rankings that came out last night? No. I know you didn't. I was thinking uh, yeah. Randy <laughs> probably. <laughs> I heard a little bit about it this morning, but other than that, uh, no, I didn't pay attention to it either. Uh you know, I was out enjoying Halloween a little bit, so uh, 
I didn't see it, but uh, usually it's not too relevant. Uh, it's always seems like it's SEC biased and uh, <laughs> big school biased, unfortunately. And uh, it's usually kind of well off. And, and, you know, there's no real money you can really make on it. You know, you're, it's not going to affect the lines really any or do anything as far as the market. Got you. So what did you think? And I, I, uh, I sent Ann a message. I was trying to think, is there value on the 76ers now at a future price, given they made this trade? Because just from my perception, Harden never wins a championship ever. And I don't know if it's just bad camaraderie. And there, I read some things where they're going to – 76ers will try to make a big trade for a good guard. Is it value now? But he shot me down with all the players and the, what they're worth kind of a, as far as – a from a team perspective. So that's a no-go. Well, I have no idea if did the odds move like Philadelphia are bigger favorites now. I don't know what they were before the trade. I don't know. I saw some 25s and 30 to ones out there after the trade. And I was thinking, well, they can, maybe that they can still make the championship series, you know, if they have make a good yeah, trade. 30, 30 to one is probably okay when you have a really good player in Embiid. Right. The problem is that if you expect some of the guys they got back for Harden, to actually contribute, they're all old and bad. So, yeah. Like, Marcus Morris is bad. Batum is 38 years old. And Covington is okay. And Harden is still a good player. But if you think they're just better because positive by subtraction, then that might be something there. Randy, Randy, Randy cuddled this one. He said they got to get rid of Harden. I mean, that was a good call, Randy. Randy likes talking about Harden. Yeah, he's just not a winning player, I don't think. You know, ball-dominant player that has never won really anything and declining, in my opinion, too. And, you know, these new rules, too, where they don't call them flopping falls that he always benefit from. Uh, Just not that type of player. You know, of course, him and Westbrook and Durant all were on OKC together, and that was a good run for OKC back in the day. But now Westbrook and and uh, him aren't uh, aren't the players they used to be. Yeah, so bet some, uh, Micah. Oh, uh, thirty to one. Don't don't worry. <laughs> I, I'm, I will. Just to I'll be mad. Speaking of long long shots, how's that Texas Rangers? Looking good, man. Looking good. No hedging, man. No hedging. Not listening to David. David tried to talk me into hedging last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I said it's no. I said it's a good spot. But you I'm you look. Right. Uh-huh. No, but it, but it was a good spot. I mean, it was right. better than your other spots. And then, that's like right. when we did it on the Super Bowl, that seemed decent too. Because it's because on the on the final, you can really shop around and get no big or an edge on right. which is on, on something that you can get so much money down. But that's the way it works. Or you, yeah, the stakes are through the roof on the final, which would be your final hedge in all these things you're betting. But doing it early it doesn't. I don't agree with that at all. Right. All right. You guys ready for some NFL picks? Yeah, Randy. Randy, he gets hey, to Randy. join that. You're Randy's pick of the day. Are you going to uh, – first, you should, we should tell people our, our records. I think I lost again last week. I had bought some I, I won because I haven't picked a loser in two weeks. I've pushed I've, – I've had like 10 picks and they've all won. So, like, what is our records? Do you know, Micah? Tell me if I'm wrong. I had you at uh, two and four. I might be two and five now after Baltimore last week. But that was an emotional win. It's crazy they didn't cover. And I had David at uh, three and four. All right. Let's see if we can get some wins this week. 
I got myself 0-1 with my Raiders pick. <laughs> Good they try. just fired the coach. I don't have a backup one, so I have to go first because I don't have a backup. Go one. first. Go ahead. Okay. I got a backup. I'll, I'll go Eagles minus three. All right. You want to tell us why or – just no, just, just another good spot. I think they're going to win by a lot, but I have minus three bet. And that's the only one that's minus 110. All right. I'm walking, so I'm not in front of the screen. Tell me if I can still get Dolphins plus two. Yeah, one and a half. All right. I'll take Dolphins plus one and a half. Do you want to tell us why? And now we actually, we have to wake up early again. That's brutal. Why? Because <laughs> of the, they play in London? Yeah, they play in London. Frankfurt, Germany. Oh, Germany. Oh, Oh, whatever. We have to wake up early. It's all the same. I'm American. Germany, London, it's all the same. I just think the Dolphins are better than the Chiefs. There's uh, nothing much to say. So the Chiefs are always inflated a little bit, I think. Yeah. Can I I, I have a question on that? So are you one of those ones that goes, well, this team got there first or – you know, or what, like, do you care about any of that at all? You know, you know, people are really into that. Whoever got there to the, to the foreign country first and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure it matters. Like if you're there an extra, I mean, I don't know how much traveling you do, but when you travel across the ponds, it does take a few days for you to stop feeling queasy. Now I get it. They fly not in coach like Antonino DeRosa, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure it helps a bit getting there first. Okay, just curious because, yeah, some people are really into that. And then Frank kept saying that, and then he would just bet whoever got there first, and it was killing it. So I started doing that. (laughs) The human body is like uh, a creature. So I don't know, man. When you travel to Europe, you arrive usually when you fly from America to Europe, you arrive early in the morning without getting any sleep. So now you're like in this thing where you're like, should I sleep? And then be up all night, or should I try to struggle through it and then go to sleep tonight? You know, like if if NFL players are doing that, I mean, of course, their body is going to take a while to adjust. They probably like never fully adjust, even in the four days or whatever. But it's neutral because both teams are feeling extra bad. Yeah, but they do say that when you travel, you know, through uh, time zones, it takes you one day per hour to adjust. Randy was high on Jacksonville that second game because they had been there the extra week. He was just yeah. all about – and I remember and that, thinking, solid. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that was good. Went, and well, so God. far this year, we've seen uh, teams that go over there earlier usually have the edge. And I'm hearing Miami's already there, and Kansas City's not leaving till today or tomorrow. Jeez. So, uh, you might have a pretty good edge here, Ant, because that worked for Baltimore – when they, you know, and I very seldom, I try to stay away from favorites in the NFL, even though my pick will probably be a favorite. But even when Baltimore played over there in uh, England, they had a big edge against Tennessee. They they flew early and had that edge. And uh, they actually did a uh, experimentation because the first year that Harbaugh had to go over there, he said their team wasn't ready to play. And he figured out why. And that's why he traveled early and so far, what I'm hearing is Miami is over there early. All right, yeah. let's go Miami. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so put a bad number on your DraftKings thing. Even if it's a bad price, put it in. All right. Tell Peter to put that one. <laughs> Eagles. What about it, Randy? All right, Dave kind of took a – I also like the Eagles as well, but I'll use my uh, 
other pick, which is the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, no. Uh, Sunday night, uh, two and a half. No, it's two. It's a flat two. It's down to two, yeah. That's right. So Yeah, there was, a, there was a big group on the Bills earlier today, just so you guys know. Wait. That's why I moved. Okay, Randy. If you're at Circa right now, so it's a flat two everywhere, Golden Nugget has a three. <laughs> Go over there and get the plus three minus 110 for as much as you can and show us the ticket. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely make a run and uh, hit up Tony Miller. We'll see what he lets me bet, but. Yeah, I'll do that. My re- main reason why is, you know, even though that group likes Buffalo, uh, I'll be against them there. You know, we've seen this these two teams match up before. You know, Cincinnati matches up well against this Buffalo team. I'm down on Buffalo. Too many defensive injuries, too many key yep. injuries to this team. And it's all pretty much a Josh Allen game. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, I handicapped this this coordinator for the Bengals will be a head coach probably next year this Lou Anarimo and uh, he'll figure out a way to stop Josh Allen especially with his second half adjustments. Randy when you handicap do you do it with uh, paper and pencil? I'm always amazed when people can do that. Yeah. Well, I'm a little yeah. bit old school yeah I, I can do it that way but yeah I, my, I, my... look at the number and do some power rankings and that kind of thing, you know. I'm not a model guy like my old boss at Pinnacle. You used used to my old boss at Pinnacle used to handicap NBA games with paper and pencil, and I would always look over his shoulder. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? But his numbers his numbers are great. So like, I had no idea how they are. are you know, I'm amazed that people can do that type of stuff. It's always really amazing to me. I have a mutual friend, Alan Boston, and of course he's well noted for doing all his college basketball that way. And uh, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of old school that way too. But <laughs> that's I, awesome. I don't use models. Yeah, I mentioned uh, oh, episode three or four. I mentioned Alan Boston's name on this podcast, and these two had no idea who he was. <laughs> I'm, oh, I can't even get into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike, maybe maybe we should do an episode where we talk about the history of the gambler, you know? <laughs> gambler. Yeah. yeah, I don't know anything about that. Dude, it's I, I know that you guys were not at Bed Bash. I don't know if you were, Randy. But oh. in the Oh, you were nice. The Hall of Fame when they did the induction ceremony. I mean, like, I didn't even know the only name I knew out of all those names they inducted was basically Billy Walters. It was like all all these old timers, you know. And uh, hopefully soon uh, they'll start inducting people that people might actually know. Yeah, people know all of that. We just don't because we did, we weren't around in those years. But people know those guys paved the way for all of the stuff we're looking at right now. Randy was telling me the guy that made the point spread, what his name was. Yeah, he was uh, McNeil, something McNeil. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but, of course, the main one everybody knows is Lefty Rosenthal from the uh, movie. From the movie. Yeah, everybody knows him from that. Of course, it was Sam Rothstein was played by him, the De Niro character. And then, uh, of course, Pesci, Pesci was Tony the Ant Spilantro, the uh, the other character in that movie, which, uh, you know, that's one of the best movies of all, best gambling movies for sure of all time. Yeah. What was amazing to me, and maybe it's just, you know, I didn't live back then and I wasn't into sports gambling till the late, you know, 2010. But what was amazing to me is like they inducted a guy who was basically when they showed their video, 
he's like, oh, he's in charge of the South Point or whatever, Jimmy Vicaro. And then I'm like, they induct this guy in and they don't induct the owners of Pinnacle or the right. owners of Beck Chris or, you know, people that maybe Vicaro deserves it more. But I just felt it was like it was a very Vegas biased kind of thing. Yeah, I think maybe next year Spanky will get more probably into the offshore world. Yeah. He did it as the first year just to, for a tribute because everything's at the Circa and uh, yeah. He's yeah, right. and that kind of thing. And then they didn't induct the guy who basically gambled and won so much that he was able to buy multiple soccer teams, as in Tony Bloom. Like, how did that guy not get inducted is behind my understanding. But I guess it's, he doesn't bet American sports. It's all soccer. But uh, it's just crazy. Yeah, I don't I don't know that story. Tell me that story someday. Interesting. So, well, it, it, there's nothing much to tell. There's a guy named uh, Tony Bloom who was one of the best soccer sports bettors there is. And he won enough money to be able to basically buy an English premier team and one other team, I think in Europe or Belgium or something. We're talking billions of dollars, okay? Uh, yeah, wow. And he uses the same models that he used to bet soccer to buy and sell players for his teams. So, like, his teams overperform with very small payrolls because he's really? using the same – Yeah, he's using the same analytics that he uses to bet. Soccer is all about player, player models and not team models. And, uh, yeah, they just sold – like, this past summer, they sold four or five players from this – English premier team to the bigger English premier teams, you know, for like a hundred million, 80 million. And these are players that he bought for less than a couple of million. So, Is yeah, this so that Netflix or something, man? Let me, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> no, but there's a big, he owns a company called star lizard. If you Google it, there's a lot of cool articles about it, but yeah, they still bet soccer. And uh, also he runs these soccer teams. Interesting. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's pretty yeah. badass right there. All right, Randy, where, where are you off to next after your Vegas State? I'm heading back to uh, Colorado Thursday. Will you do a lot of uh, advantage play at the Blackhawks casinos there? Yeah, well, I have an apartment right in Central City, so I'm not far away, and that's where all the kiosks are. and Don't have to travel too far. I enjoy that a little bit more than the city like Dave does, but, uh, you know, Dave likes the city life, and I like more of the uh, quiet life living up there. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for coming on, Randy. Randy was really nice to put a face to the name, and I really enjoyed your stories. Thank you. Yeah, nice yeah. to meet you as well, Ant, and uh, yeah, pleasure as well. And uh, if you are ever in Florida, hit me up. Uh, dinner on me. We'll go hang out and tell some more stories. Sounds good. Well, what what area of Florida are you in? Uh, West Palm. West Palm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that's winning. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank y'all for coming. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Avoid the Trap podcast. If you'd like more betting tips or want to learn how you can partner with us, go to our website, www.avoidthetrap.com. Until next time, remember, to the victor belong the spoils.